You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. On this week's episode, I'm interviewing a business growth expert, attorney, and host of the Blist Biz podcast. She works with business owners to help them make more money without working around the clock. How amazing does that sound? So we're going to talk all about her strategies for doing more with less on this week's episode. So let's go. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brave and Boss. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled, business coach, business mentor, proud dog mama, and I am super excited to have you back listening to this episode. And this is an interview episode, which I'm very excited about. I've really enjoyed this year getting into interviews because I find just bringing that new perspective can be so helpful to this podcast. And I know I listen to a ton of podcasts, and one of the reasons why I do that is because I love to hear different people's takes on strategies for growing your business or finding that elusive work-life balance, and this week's episode is really all about that. So when I was introduced to today's guest, I saw that she was an attorney, and I was like, oh, cool, she can answer legal questions. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> Free legal advice. All right. And then I read what she kind of talks about. So she's actually not really a practicing attorney, although she's, I think, legally an attorney, but really her focus is on business growth and how to take work off your plate while growing your business and what's required to do that. Because we all know that growing a business is really challenging. It's rewarding, but oh man, running a small business is super, super challenging. And I can definitely speak to the fact that I mean, I'm in year six now of being full-time in my business, and it's still very grueling, long hours, lots of work, endless amounts of work, like you're pretty much never done, and a lot of stress. But there are ways to do this differently, and definitely some things I learned on this episode where I think, oh, wow, I could have like done this and you know, maybe not stress myself out as much. So if you're just starting to grow your business or hire a team, this is a must listen for you. So let's give a little brief intro on today's guest. So today's guest is Sarah Dawn. She is a business growth expert, attorney, and host of the Blist Biz podcast. Say that 10 times. I mess it up in, in the intro to her. So get ready to laugh about that. She works with business owners to help them make more money without working around the clock. She has built a seven-figure business and made her success on her own, but in pursuing her dreams, she's become all too familiar with overwhelm, overworking, and burnout, and now she's passionate about forging a path to blissful blend of record-breaking business growth strategy and unparalleled personal fulfillment for a life you truly love. Wow, it is an amazing interview, and let's jump to it. All right. I am super excited to welcome today's guest, Sarah Dawn. She's a business growth expert, attorney, and host of the Blist Biz podcast. That is a muffle. <laughs> she works with business owners to help them make more money without working around the clock. I love that. Welcome, Sarah, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And 
I'll tell you, say that five times in a row, this is podcast. When I first started recording it, I had to re-record myself every time I introduced my own podcast. And I was like, you know what? This is actually fun. I think I'll, I think I'll stick with this. I know. I just got vaccinated today, so I don't know if that has something to do with it, but. <laughs> number really one that. or number two? Yeah. <laughs> On my second one. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so, yeah. hydrate. We'll hydrate. No, yeah. wish you. <laughs> Um, so I am really excited to have you on the show. You know, initially when you were introduced to me, I was like, Ooh, an attorney, that will be really fun. And then I saw, you know, kind of where you specialize in. And I thought it was really interesting that we've got an attorney speaking about burnout and how to, you know, take more off your plate and become more efficient in your business without like sacrificing your life. So maybe we could just start off with a little intro and you can let our audience know like who you are and how you got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah, I was that little girl with lots of opinions. So I think that was easy to put me in a box. (laughs) And I grew up without much. We didn't always have our utilities on. We were in the food line. And I just wanted a job that I could pay the bills, that I would have money and be able to have a decent lifestyle. So as many adults that told the little girl with opinions she should be a lawyer you know, my friends whose parents were lawyers drove like Lexus. So you knew they were Mm -hmm. loaded, right? (laughs) (laughs) So from that perspective, it was super tunnel vision to go to law school, be an attorney, had plenty of bumps. I was troubled youth by every definition, but I kept seeing that when I worked hard, I made money. And when I had a little bit of cash in my pocket, I had a little bit more control over how my lifestyle would look. And that was really just like gung-ho all the way through. I put myself through college. I put myself through law school. Didn't just go get a job as an attorney. I started my own law firm and very much seeing that success could give me a livelihood and no measurement of what I wanted my actual full lifestyle to look like. And I didn't really have any measurement for what I wanted my personal life to look like. And I definitely felt like I had to earn my value within my own company, within my own firm. And it was just work, work, work nonstop. And they train us that way. They train us that way in law school, in the education system for the most part, that, you know, you work really hard in law school. We're encouraged to be in the library at midnight and kind of pitted against each other for grades and success within the classroom. And I took that into all of my career and really just fully burnt myself out. And I won't pretend that I'm a fast learner. When it happened, I came down with a sudden onset of Bell's palsy, um, which is for anybody that doesn't, isn't familiar with it. It's paralysis of half of your face. Wow. Okay. Not on by stress. Yeah. And I was in denial of it. That's why I say I wasn't a fast learner that when that happened, the emergency room that I was in thinking I was having a stroke, that doctor said, whatever your stress levels are, you've got to take it down a notch. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Everything's great. (laughs) I'm fine. And I went to an acupuncturist and I had to see her every day for a couple of weeks. And she said, you have to calm down. Whatever you're doing, you've got to take it down. And I was hitting Dr. Google looking for all the reasons to tell me that Bell's palsy was not stress-induced. But I learned over the months and then in the years to follow that 
I didn't have any kind of self-care. I didn't have anything. And when I say that, I don't mean like going and getting massages on the weekend. I mean, I didn't have any protocol within my life that took care of me as a human being and as a woman and as a wife, mother, all of my other roles other than being the attorney and owner of this law firm. And that's what shut my body down. That's what shut my face down. And that leading up to what I'm doing now, in the years that followed that, I decided I get to pick. I don't have to keep on this tunnel vision road that was sort of handed to me as a seven-year-old. And I actually have so much to pick from. And that means I can pick the parts of my work that I love the most and I can send the other things away. And I can work with other businesses. I get so fun and giddy and excited about other people and their businesses. I can work with them in roles as an attorney drafting their contracts. I can guide them down that path that was harder learned by me. And I can guide them to have better balance in their business and lifestyle and do those things that are strategically growing, making the money they want, but they don't have to deal with their face going paralyzed. Wow. That's quite a story. I don't know how much you've read about me, but I come from a management consulting background. So very similar kind of work environment. Previous to my corporate career, like in my corporate career, I was in, you know, one of the big four and I did a lot of travel and I'm actually shocked looking back that that didn't happen to me because (laughs) very demanding on your whole system, right? Yeah. And it, it was kind of like, I don't know about I, well, I know a little bit about law because I've got a couple of good friends who are lawyers and I know they moved out of private practice pretty quickly because of similar reasons. And people who are drawn to like careers like that or entrepreneurship, like I think is a great example too, where you're like super passionate about your product that you're building, but then you're almost like overly invested in it to the point where stuff like self-care becomes you know, the lowest priority. Yeah. So how do you start to even find that balance of like, managing that? Is that boundaries? Like, where does that start for you? I think the most important first step is understanding why we do it. Everything we do has some kind of belief system behind it, some kind of mindset behind it. And it's not like mindset shift then is like snap your fingers and now (laughs) the world and your life is better. But it gives you a really, really important insight on what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? The example for me is I had a pretty hefty martyrdom belief system that I wasn't worthy of the success I had built just in and of myself. I didn't just show up worthy of that, that I had to earn my dues and I had to pay a price and it had to hurt. And I had to constantly show up more hours than necessary and harder work than necessary just to prove that I was worth what I had created. And that's gross, right? (laughs) That's kind of gross to look at that we think those things about ourselves or, you know, have kind of control freak views on the outside world. But when we know that, then we can start saying, you know, I don't want that to be true for me. And I'm going to start checking my behaviors against what I'm believing I have to do. And that's a really big start to then setting those boundaries is what am I believing and how do I need to be checking myself on being like, "Mm, you know, that's not true for me. And I don't need to do the things that support that I think that's true. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a very similar complex to you. So I can, again, totally relate. Like I, and I always question where that comes from. And I think a lot of stuff obviously comes from childhood and, and your upbringing and what your parents reflected back to you. And, you know, I come from a family where hard work is, gets you everywhere. So that message, you know, that it has to be hard and difficult and, you know, if you're not working hard, you're not, you're not productive has stuck with me for a really long time. And it's been something I think personally, I've, I found it really hard to shake. And even when I'm not as busy, I feel like I should be busy. I don't know if you can relate to that, like the ability to like, actually, like if you have downtime, actually relax and not feel stressed out about not doing anything. I think that is a skill, right? Yeah. And that's one of the main things I caught myself doing when I was in my brick and mortar firm. We had a team of a dozen people. And if I would hear somebody walking down my hallway towards my office, even if I was busy, I would try to like make myself look busier. Mm -hmm. And girl, my name's on the door. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. (laughs) Right. It would just be like this reaction before I could even think about what I was doing. It's like, oh, hurry, pile more papers in front of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things. It's like, I'll even, now that I'm working out of my home office, I'll catch myself doing, if one of my children are walking down the stairs, I'll like hurry up and not be like listening to my favorite podcast and turn my computer on. I'm like, and it is something still, even as much as I've turned around, I have to stop and be like, this is weird. (laughs) Stop it. And really kind of call myself out on it. So because I get to everybody listening, you, we all get to enjoy life and have things that we find fun that have nothing to do with the money we make. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really critical to keeping our business and the work that we do sustainable, where we can keep making money on the Mm long-term without shutting our bodies down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think part of it, like I often look for like what the solution is, but I think part of the solution is really just being more conscious of your behavior and being aware that you're actually doing some of these things because we can get into those phases where we just kind of get into robot mode. And then we're like, we're not even thinking about the actions that we're taking or the thoughts that we're having. So Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like that's like a starting point. I know you talk a lot about like how to take work off your plate while growing your business. And I think that's such a juicy topic that a lot of our listeners would be really interested in. So let's start there. Like what is the cost to the business and the leader of the business, the founder, CEO of not taking work off their plate and not being efficient? Like we've talked about the health impacts, but is there anything else in your experience that you've noticed impacts the business or the person negatively? Sure. This is one that it actually, I discovered the need for this a few years ago when I had a business coach say, okay, well, what's the number one objection that you're overcoming with new clients? And it's consistent. A hundred percent. I didn't even have to make a list. Entrepreneurs would tell me, I already have so much on my plate. I can't even wrap my mind around adding the work that we'll do together. And it's like, that's the whole freaking thing. Like That's what we're doing here. And that's where I really, with my experience in strategy and growth, I really dove in and looked at the things that people I knew in my network and my clients were doing on their business as the owner operator. 
And like a number one thing is things like bookkeeping, but it's bookkeeping, it's performing like the setup of automation tasks and the hours they'll spend in that. And there's, you know, every business is a little bit different. I had one client that it was, she had a t-shirt company and she was the one physically packing the t-shirts and printing off the shipping labels. Yeah. And that you're like, uh, in there. <laughs> and if anybody's doing that, I'm not like here to like shame you or make fun of you for doing that. But yeah. I really, the response is usually, well, I have to, because, yeah. and, you know, fill in the blank. I have to, because no one else would do it right. I have to, yeah. because I'm just so busy. I don't have time to train somebody on my team to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, because I inherited this business from grandma and she always personally packed the products. So mm-hmm. I don't want to take that personal touch out of the business. You know, it kind of circles back to those beliefs, but the bottom line is as the innovator in your business, you are the most expensive person that can be performing these tasks. So, you know, come up with the number if you're otherwise not an hourly rate person, but $200, $300 an hour as the innovator in your business. Would you pay somebody $300 an hour to pack Mm t-shirts? Would you pay a bookkeeper $300 an hour? Not your CPA. I'm talking about the person that just, you know, itemizes your things in QuickBooks. Would you pay them $300 an hour? For everybody that you think you can't afford to take these tasks on, you can't afford not to. Mm -hmm. And you're inhibiting your profit growth because it's it's a different part of your brain that creates and innovates and then performs these tasks. And it's very exhausting to switch back and forth. And as you know, the innovation is what takes the back burner because the day-to-day has to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to this. And I often talk about on this podcast, how I feel like I hired too slow, not in this sense that like, it took me a long time to like actually pick the right candidate, but it actually took me forever in my mind to like actually hire somebody to help me. It took me like almost six months when I was full-time in the business to actually Mm -hmm. hire a part-time person. So like you mentioned, I was doing everything from shipping, customer service to social media, email, production management, and you hit a wall where you're like, I can't do anymore. And like a lot of this stuff has to happen, but am I the best person to do it? So I can totally appreciate that point. And at every stage, you kind of come up against that. And I actually have to ship packages in March when we had a few people unexpectedly quit. And I didn't even, I don't even remember how to, I don't even know how to ship a package now. So, but I was in my head, I was saying the same thing that you were. I'm like, this is like $400 an hour. (laughs) Like, why am I doing this? Never again, never again. We need more shippers. So we ended up hiring like three shippers that month because I was like, I am never shipping again. That was like a, that was a $3,000 day of shipping, like personnel costs. So I love that comparison. And I think you know, with our audience, they really resonate with the financial impacts. So I think hearing that will be a bit of kind of like a reminder to really think about those tasks. And I think there's a lot of fear that comes along with hiring. And like you said, some of those reasons, sometimes it's financial, but oftentimes we think we're the best at something, but you're not going to become a really successful seven-figure business by being the best at shipping your product. So totally fair point. So tell me like a little bit more about that, like outsourcing component and Like how does somebody start to even let go of that control? Because I think a lot of that comes from control, wanting to have like 
hands in all the parts and pieces, like what do you recommend to your clients that you coach? Is it like systems or processes or is there some other kind of hack to, you know, letting go of control of managing all the things? Yeah, I spoke at an event recently that I had everyone in the room and, you know, I just compassionately want to say, I know you guys don't have rooms in Canada yet, but I hope, I hope that comes quickly. (laughs) We, it's actually Arizona specifically did a pretty major rollout of the vaccine and we've been able to get back in rooms, but you know, that my little disclaimer of, so I spoke at this event and I had everybody in the room kind of talk about and point out that one thing that they know really should not be on their plate, but they just haven't let go of. And I was like, okay, everybody say it together. I suck at this. <laughs> and You know, you may not actually suck at packing, for example, but you know, you're maybe mediocre and you've got to realize what those things are. I actually have a really great tool to to walk you through that. And we can, I, I'll point you to that later, but I have a really great tool that walks you through basically a journaling practice for a week. And it helps guide you how to pick the things that have no business being on your plate. <laughs> and one of the main things, I think something that as you know, high achievers, we beat ourselves up for, but it's such a valuable measurement is procrastination. If you catch yourself procrastinating on something frequently, I know the first thing people go to is, okay, let me learn about time management. Let me get a coach to help me learn to stop procrastinating, which probably not. If you own a business and you've got that high achieving mentality, procrastination is probably not a huge problem for you, but it's a really, really important message from your brain and your own energy to say, I don't like doing this thing and I don't want to do it. And that would be a really great candidate of a item that I need to let go of and let somebody else that has different skill sets from me. That's the other big one when you're hiring. You don't want to clone yourself. You don't need another you. You need somebody that has different skill sets and different interests than you that can take on those things that shouldn't be on your plate anyway, because you're too expensive of a person to be doing them. And you don't even really like it. And you're probably not that good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not good at everything. I mean, I think that's definitely like, and, and that goes for employees too. Like your team has like their strengths and weaknesses too. So I think that's such a great point that you really need to hire for the role and what those responsibilities are. I've been guilty in the past of hiring for the person and then slotting them into the role. And sometimes that does not work out. Sometimes it that, does. The person's yeah. a flexible person. Yeah, but you can get lucky not. with that. But yeah. it's, um, one of my favorite tools for that is the disc profile. Have you ever oh, used yes. that? So I I was just introduced to it recently and we were going to, as a leadership team at my company, take it. But I'm not, I haven't done it yet. So you can I really love it as a tool. I actually use it when I'm onboarding my clients. I'm delicate with having them do it for their team. I love that info, but it freaks people out. You know, if like a consultant enters a company, the team already knows some changes might be going down. So they're a little on edge. And then you have them take personality profiles that that usually does not go over well. So I tell my client, I'll say, I would love to have this info on your team don't freak them out. <laughs> like we're not trying to have like 
a mass exodus of your company because just to get some data. That said, it's simple. It's not as in-depth and crazy as Enneagram. Enneagram, just because some of the questions it asks is not appropriate to be used. You know, the lawyer hat goes on. It's not appropriate to be used in an employment setting. But DISC is really great because it tells you, do you have kind of that type A leadership personality, which depending on the role you're hiring for, that could be very valuable or it could be somebody that might railroad your systems. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your creative social people. So if you've got somebody that you're hiring for marketing, for example, having that creative social personality is really important. And then you also have like, they call it stable, I believe is the S, but it's kind of the unmovable. It's that employee that you're like, she's going to check every one of the boxes. She's going to have it done right every time. You probably don't want to be like messing with her systems a whole lot. She needs to be in charge of any change in the systems, but that's somebody that if you need attention to detail, quality control, that kind of thing, that personality is really great for that. And so it's not that anybody does or doesn't get a job based on their disc profile, but it's where will they shine and where will they feel most fulfilled with the tasks that you assign to them? Yeah. And I've heard that it's also really good for like facilitating communication in teams for like understanding how somebody communicates versus because some people prefer to get feedback in different ways. And some people are different, like maybe they prefer like feedback written or verbal, or they want like more time to think about something before they give feedback. Like I think understanding those communication styles was hopefully something that we'll get out of it when we take it. But I admittedly have not done it, but literally a consultant brought it up to me like last week. So yeah, um, it's huge. And it just helps your, like you said, with that feedback, it almost has a little bit of the feel of love languages. Mm-hmm. So that you know, I love that test. <laughs> I had an employee that every time we were like really proud of her work and gave her a raise, not you know, erased because of performance, it almost kind of backfired. And every time we gave her a raise for performance, like we thought she may have one foot out the door afterwards. And we're like, what is going on? But we realized through this that she wants to be publicly praised. And so when money wasn't a motivator for her, so when we would give her a raise, she felt like we were trying to buy our way around having to praise her performance. Interesting. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's yeah. now, and all of this comes to, like you mentioned, one of the fears of hiring and bringing on a team is people are complicated. Yes. And there's I, there is not, I was going to say, I don't have the answer. I'm confident to say there isn't an answer Mm -hmm. on how to have the easiest team that you never have people problems. It's people are complicated. There are infinite factors that all contribute to our personalities and what offends us and what makes us happy. When you have people inevitably will have people problems, but when you do some of these things to help your own leadership skills, help have people in the right roles for their skill sets and know how to communicate and know how each person, you know, needs to be addressed for correction and for praise. You get to cut out a lot of those people problems. And even when issues do come up, the stress levels way, way lower on it. 
Yeah. I mean, we're in this situation right now in my other business where we just can't hire enough people. Like we're having trouble recruiting right now because there is a bit of like churn happening, which I think is from what I understand from speaking to other business owners has come up from the pandemic, just people really re-questioning what they're doing and why and feeling like a lot of personal burnout, which bleeds into the business. And that idea that like, you know, a team member who previously maybe went into the office for seven and a half hours, eight hours a day, now sitting at home on Zoom calls, you know, for even like set, like a few hours a day, and then maybe working the same hours feels incredibly burdened by that more so because it's like, you're not in the office, you're not having that social element, you feel like you're tied to your desk, it's in your home, it's like very invasive. So they're feeling more like, like they're working more hours, even though they're not which I thought was really interesting because I've asked a few of my team members when they feel burnt out, like, oh, like how many hours a week are you working? And they're like, well, like 37. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like a normal work week. (laughs) So let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, these, these aren't 80 hour work weeks, but it's because I think there's just like this personal burnout that's happening too from you know, at least where we are located. And, and I think also you too, like just the like trauma of the situation that everybody's lived through. So yeah. how do you and it just like- felt more, I almost equated it to when I was, so I had my oldest child when I was in law school and I was working for a law firm, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even have to give an explanation for how that was. <laughs> And the firm asked me to come back to work early. I think my son was maybe only three or four weeks old when they asked me to come back. And of course I said, yes. And I was trying to breastfeed while being an attorney. And even though I was only working about four hours a day, it was kind of that same thing of, I was just freaking exhausted by it because I couldn't complete anything. Everything got interrupted by, you know, usually by, taking care of the baby or taking care of the baby got interrupted by a phone call or a meeting. And I felt that trauma come back into my body. And I know so many women and women business owners and employees felt the same thing last year is because we couldn't, like you said, have the social aspect, get our cup filled by feeling good about being around our colleagues and get our work done. It was bring your work into your home, get it done. Oh yeah. Your kids are going to need you once an hour and the Amazon truck's going to come and it's, you just can't, your system's shot because you just have so much coming at you from different directions at one time. Yeah. It's definitely overwhelming. And I think for a lot of people too, because you know, in the province where I am, we were in a lockdown basically since almost November like a state of emergency. Like, I think we came out of it for a week, but people weren't allowed to even like really leave their homes until recently to socialize. So you've got people leaving their desk and then going to like, you know, maybe a park to sit with a friend or like maybe watch Netflix on their, you know, TV for the next four hours. And that's like a lot of screen time for people. And I just have to think that's not great for your brain to be that in that state for a long time. Like people are meant to interact. People thrive out of isolation. Like isolation is actually like a punishment in the prison system, you know? So I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. And I I feel like it's beyond self-care. Like we're not going to like do like a face mask and like a pedicure and feel better. So like if somebody listening right now is really feeling it right now, what can they do to start to kind of dig themselves out of this state of burnout and despair? 
Yeah, I agree with you. It's just, you know, you're not going to be able to book enough massage appointments to unwind it. I am a huge proponent of having your whole self-care team. So it's not events. Self-care isn't events. It's your system of taking care of yourself. For me personally, it's acupuncture. It's my naturopath that checks my hormone levels and my adrenal levels and make sure that I have, you know, vitamins and balancing it's hydration and not trying to do those things as an add on. If you're doing all the things that don't work for you, and then you add on almost this burden of, oh yeah, I have to make all these appointments for quote self-care also. Now you're just stressing yourself out to take care of yourself and you're, you know, break even at best. And I really think it's looking at your day and lifestyle and really intentionally picking what's got to go. Some stuff really probably has to go. And I know there's that like recoil fear response of, no, I have to do all the things. But some things, even if it's for a short period of time so that you can take care of yourself, need to go. Some things need to be delegated to other people or, you know, put into automation tools And then have your team behind you. Like I said, for me, it's my acupuncturist, my naturopath, my therapist that really is a system for taking care of yourself because you're an asset within your business. You wouldn't let, you know, back to the t-shirt printing example, you wouldn't let your screen printer go without maintenance and shut down because you didn't have time to get around to it. You're a huge asset in your business and you've got to take care of yourself like a machine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because a few of my entrepreneur friends, one of them introduced me to this app where you like, it's like a self-care checklist and you like add the things and then you check them off as you do them. And I showed it to my therapist and she was like, this is the exact wrong tool for you. (laughs) You need something with like less rigidity because now self-care is just another to-do list item. And yeah, like, going to be more stressful if you don't do it. Like it feels like, like almost punitive. So Mm -hmm. I guess on that note, do you have any like apps or tools that you think are helpful for facilitating, you know, what you see is like really easy drop in self-care things that we don't have to like, you know, hold ourselves to 5 PM on every Thursday. Um, Is there anything you recommend? So for me, I really like one day if I could have like just a whole team of people that just take care of me, that would be great. Like somebody that's like, here's your water. (laughs) I don't think that'll ever happen. But I have like, I have a couple little reminder apps that will just, you know, without it being another tool or task for me to do, I literally have an app that dings four times a day that says, make sure and drink your water. And I'm like, oh yeah. I need to do that. That doesn't come naturally to me. And I live in the desert. I've tried several that, like you mentioned, it was just another task, but instead I've been using one called Daybook, and it's literally just an online journal, but I just jump into it and I take my temperature every day and I just plug in what was my temperature? How was my stress level yesterday? How did I sleep? How am I feeling? What am I going to do to take care of myself? It may be nothing. And then the last one that has just been really huge. If I had had this before I burned out, I wouldn't have. And I have, it's a fitness band called Whoop. Have you ever heard of it? No. 
Okay, this is totally not like I have no affiliate links. They don't care about me, but <laughs> I scream it from the rooftops okay. because it's made for athletes, which I'm by no means an athlete, but it's a fitness band. You wear it 24 seven. It's super non-invasive size and everything wise, but it measures your body's daily recovery from the day before you get a percentage. It measures like four or five different data measurements of your sleep quality and how your body is functioning overall as it's reflected in your sleep. And then it also measures like daily calorie burn and like if you're athletic and if you like to work out how much strain, how, how much like it kind of measures, it gives you a number for how big of a workout you had, but it's been so critical to have those data sets on how much recovered I am day after day. And then measure that with against what my journal says I was doing to take care of myself. And Yeah, I use an app called the Five Minute Journal. Um, well, they have like an actual journal, but they have an app version, and it just pings me in the morning. Like, what what are three things you're grateful for? And it's not like a you know have to write like ten pages. It's just like two minutes for three things, whatever. And I find that just even helps ground me a little bit, you know, because we're all like rushing around in the morning trying to get eight thousand things done. Yeah. Um. So even taking that time, and then it pings you again at night to say like what happened today that and you know what went really well. So I love that like simplicity and I love measurement. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Whoop. <laughs> I'm a data nerd. And I just want to point out how much I appreciate this conversation we're having around this because I think, you know, not man hating, but they're primarily male entrepreneurial coaches or leaders in the industry will really tout that, you know, schedule of, well, the way the formula for success is you wake up at 4am, you work out, you eat, you know, this breakfast that has 200 grams of protein, and then you journal for an hour, then you meditate for an hour. And that just doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I was at a retreat one time that a lady sat down across from me and she said, I have all these dreams. I have all these goals. I have a pretty nice skill set in creating this product. She goes, but I know I could never turn it into a business. And I was like, well, why? And she was like, I sleep in. That's the bottom line. I sleep till 10 a.m. every day. It's how I feel good. It's how I take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I've read all the books. You can't sleep in till 10 a.m. and be a successful entrepreneur. (laughs) And I'm like, the hell you can't. (laughs) And so I really appreciate that we're having this conversation that there's other, there's not one formula for everybody and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to start at 4 Mm a.m. You can do what works for your body and your schedule and your tolerance for checklists and still make it a priority without just deciding it's take it or leave it with this like massive six hour morning routine Mm -hmm. or nothing. Yeah. And I think that's really important because we, you know, women are very good at like making ourselves feel bad and shaming ourselves for not doing things, personally speaking from experience. So, you know, if you don't do the, you know, two liters of water that one day, then you're like, oh, the next day I should have done that. Like, you know, I'll still think about those kind of things. So I think having that like self-compassion is really important. And also just understanding that like certain days of the month, a lot of female identifying people will not feel the same because hormonally we are different. 
And I'm not a doctor, but there's different cycles of hormones, especially if somebody's menstruating and stuff like that, that men don't experience that we experience. So you could be feeling like super amazing one day and then the next day have like no energy and it's no fault of like not drinking the water. It's just the way nature and you are built, you know? So I feel like that kind of messaging is important to bring up because, you know, oftentimes those male kind of coaches that push those like hustle hard mentalities, like then you feel bad because you're like, I can't, I can't keep up with this, but it's not meant for you. It's it's different for everybody, you know? And it doesn't mean you can't keep up with the success level. And it doesn't mean you can't keep up with the dollars in the bank. It just means your formula is going to look different. And that that's why part of my journal is taking my temperature daily. Um, for other reasons, I don't have other measurements of what my hormonal cycles are. So that's really critical information for me to say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up if today's a slower day. Mm-hmm. That's naturally where I am. That's mm-hmm. cool. I, I'm not beating myself up that I must have gone too hard yesterday. No, nope. this is just where I am in in my body. And that's fine because I know in other ways at other times I can go hard and I can create everything I want to create for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into the hot seat questions. You know, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I feel like I could chat with you for hours, yeah. but I want to be respectful of your time. So maybe before we get into a couple of hot seat questions, you can talk a little bit about like what you're working on. I know you have like a really great freebie that you mentioned earlier and where people can find that and a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, I would love for everybody listening to spend this week, the freebie is called One Week to Business Bliss, and spend this week going through this journal. It journals out the roles that you're playing, the things that you have on your plate in your business, and it guides you through really how to evaluate those and what should stay and what should go and in what ways the things that need to go go. It's not like just tomorrow you quit doing half the things on your plate, Mm. but I think you'll really like it. And it'll give you some really great insight on how to reserve that energy and time for yourself. And that's on my website, sarahdawnconsulting.com. And it's the first thing you see when you go onto my website. And with that, I have a whole program called Bliss Business Mastery that we start with that week, but then it goes into every system strategy and growth goal you have in your business to really achieve those goals and keep a pulse a hundred percent on making sure you're loving your life too. And that's what we talk about on the Bliss Biz podcast. It's myself half the time and I have guests half the time from all walks of life, all different kinds of businesses to talk about their story and how they've grown their business and all of those different formulas that can equal success for different people. And my goal is that my listeners hear some of those stories, see themselves in it and see what's possible for themselves. Those all sound amazing. So we will link to all of those in the show notes. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a few hot seat questions. So just answer with whatever comes to mind first. Well, we've already talked about your morning routine, so I'm not going to ask about that, but What's your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now, other than your own, of course? Unlocking Us, Brene Brown. Oh, I love Brene. Oh, so good. If you had an extra $1,000 in your business right now, what would you spend it on? Marketing. Coffee, tea, or something else? Hot water with lemon and a pinch of salt. 
Oh, interesting. What's the salt do? It just helps you absorb, kind of hold on to that hydration a little bit more. Yeah. Just a little goes a long way. Yeah. 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 And last but not least, what's your favorite Instagram account that you're following right now? Women in business club. Oh, okay. I'll have to check them out. I don't know if I know that one. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been really educational and I'm sure that this will be a completely relatable discussion to a lot of the listeners. So just to wrap it up, where can people find you online? Where's the best place to connect with you? If you want to see anything I'm up to, everything I'm doing, Instagram's my social media jam. On Instagram, I'm Sarah Dawn ESQ. And on my website, sarahdawnconsulting.com. And I really appreciate our conversation. I, again, I, like you said, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I really appreciate (laughs) you having me on your podcast, Christy. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Brave and Boss, Sarah. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.